You are listening to Pandora's Box Radio with Kalia LaRoche. For more information about my products and services, counseling, coaching, hypnotherapy, books, and audios, please visit NarcissismFree.com or PathBackToSelf.com. Hello and welcome to Pandora's Box. This is Kalia and today the topic of our podcast is the Day of Reckoning. The Day of Reckoning comes from the biblical idea that there is a judgment day in which all beings will be judged in accordance with their actions and behavior on the earth and will be assigned to heaven or hell. Well, this podcast is not a religious podcast where we will be talking about heaven or hell or judgment day in the typical ways. There's actually another definition of the day of reckoning, which is the day or the time in our lives where we come to the realization that what we've been doing isn't working for us anymore. So it's kind of a self-judgment day, so to speak. We've got to really look deeply at ourselves. I've been talking about the 12-step recovery programs lately because I'm currently working the 12 steps, and it's such a beautiful, insightful, introspective program. I, I think everybody ought to try this, regardless of what you think, if you have addictions or codependency or anything at all. This is such an insightful program. Normally, when people come to the 12-step program, it's after a day of reckoning. An alcoholic may come to realize that he or she can't drink anymore. A drug addict may realize he or she can't keep using. A codependent may realize he or she can't continue certain behaviors anymore. It's usually because of the damage done to oneself or others and their lives become unmanageable in some way. Perhaps the pain has reached its threshold. Whenever we're in denial in any way, the day of reckoning may be the day we come out of denial. We may be shocked out of denial or slowly awakening from denial. Just as the dark night of the soul is not just a night, the day of reckoning may not be just a day. It could be a series of days or weeks as one comes to terms with his or her demons. And as we know, in the dark night of the soul, it can go on for years. But I don't want to scare you. For me, the day of reckoning came when I realized I was in another toxic relationship. Now, I've had a lot of days of reckoning, so this is a more recent one. So not only did I realize I was in another toxic relationship, but there was a certain day in which I realized enough was enough, and I wasn't doing this anymore. I was so mad, not only at my partner, but at myself for allowing this to happen. I'd seen the signs and the red flags along the way, but I did what many of us do. I ignored them. Why? Because I loved him and I wanted the relationship to work, even when all the signs were telling me that the chances of this relationship working were slim to none. So I had to follow my own advice and end the relationship. But ending the relationship was only step one. (laughs) 
not actually in this 12 steps, but it, it was the beginning. It was where everything began. After that, I had to really face myself. This was the real day of reckoning. Why did I do this? What was I thinking? Why did I think this was okay? How can I love someone who treats me so badly? It took me six months after the relationship ended to get back into recovery. I entered CODA, otherwise known as Codependence Anonymous, in order to take a deeper look at myself. I considered my toxic relationship a relapse, and I realized that in all addictive dynamics, the chance of relapse is always there. This is why people stay plugged into a 12-step program. But we don't want to blame or shame ourselves for relapsing. We just want to get back on the recovery horse, so to speak. I was sailing along in my life, believing that although I had some codependent traits still, I'd already had so much recovery that I was no longer identifying as codependent. But then I looked at my past relationship and I saw that I was enabling, fixing, rehabilitating, denying reality, and believing in fantasies that kept me trapped. I spent six months in a healing process, but I was not plugged into the 12-step program. So after six months, I realized it was time to get serious about my recovery. Otherwise, I wasn't going to make the kind of progress I wanted to make in my life. This helped me in my work too because I was no longer allowing others to fool themselves into believing they didn't need to be committed to a recovery process like CODA in order to make greater progress in their lives. And I'm talking about a lot of the people that I work with who are clearly codependent. As I've explained in the past, CODA is about learning to have healthy relationships. So if we have areas in our lives where our relationships are still not healthy, we need to work on this. Although therapy is great for healing and self-exploration, the 12-step meetings and working the 12-step program keeps you focused on your recovery on a daily basis between those therapy sessions. Anybody who has been continuing to fall back into patterns may have that day of reckoning when you realize you just can't do this anymore. It may be a day when you can look at yourself through a different lens, not a lens that is punishing, judgmental, or self-abusive in any way, but it's a lens where you can finally admit that you're powerless over your addiction whatever that is, other people and the things you're doing to try and stay sane in an insane dynamic. Now, saying we are powerless doesn't mean that we're without power in our lives. It's recognizing that we have areas of weakness that we haven't had any control over, such as when you're trying to get someone in your life to change. You're powerless to get anyone to change but yourself. So the sooner you can see your own powerlessness, the sooner you can step away from trying to change people, heal, fix, rehabilitate, try to get your needs met from someone who's not meeting your needs, trying to get them to see you or hear you, trying to get love where love is not, and so on. 
when we finally wake up and see that we're repeating a pattern or doing the same thing over and over expecting a different result, we can admit the insanity of it all. Not until this day of reckoning will we truly be able to embrace change in our lives. When we can finally realize that the only one we can change is the one we see when we look into the mirror, we have something to work with. But when you find yourself at this point in your life, it can be really difficult. There's a lot of pain. There's the pain of letting go of what you can't fix or change. There's the pain of realizing that you've been suffering for a long time, but perhaps hid your own suffering from yourself. You may feel the pain of loss, the pain of emptiness and loneliness, and the pain of recognizing your own character defects and limitations. Sometimes the shame of recognizing that we have some serious healing to do in some areas of our life can be overwhelming because we may have received the message as a child that if we did something wrong or were not perfect or had some inadequacies, it meant that we weren't lovable. In recovery, we learn to accept that we're humans and all humans have character defects. None of us are perfect. So we let go of the need to achieve any kind of perfection in our lives and instead focus on progress. Which direction are we moving in our lives? Are we getting better or worse? Oftentimes in our relationships, it's like the proverbial frog in the pot of water. We don't realize we're getting worse until it's too late, until we're cooking. We've dissociated, disconnected from ourselves and others, and we've been absorbed into the toxicity of dysfunctional relationship. We may have sunk back into old, familiar, or should I say familial, patterns that have an aspect of normality to them. We may lose whatever progress we've made in our lives towards healthier relationships and healthier functioning. It is the day of reckoning where we may realize we've ignored the still small voice within. We've ignored the whispers, the messages, the shouts, and the promptings to get us to see the truth. And then we get the two by four over the head. And this is the ultimate wake-up call from our spirit because we've not been listening. We ignore the message of what is for our highest good because we've settled into false beliefs, fairy tales, and illusions that have very little to do with reality. In our denial, we tend to settle into what we want to believe is true rather than what really is true. There's usually a payoff of some sort, the promise of love, a future, happiness, dreams come true, And yet the further we go into dysfunction, addiction, and the like, the further away we get from those things in our hearts and souls that we really want. The only way we ever really have what we want is to do a deep dive into our own psyche and take a really honest look at ourselves.
In the 12-step program, we do a fearless and searching moral inventory of ourselves. We also can do this in therapy, and we can do this when we are doing a lot of self-reflection. We need to be willing to see the barriers to our progress, not our perfection, but our progress. As codependents, we need to be able to ask ourselves, why am I doing this? Why am I feeling such a need to fix that person? Why do I need that person to change in order for me to have what I want? Why am I trying to extract love from someone who hasn't been very loving? What are my needs? What's preventing me from getting my needs met in life? What is preventing me from having what I want in life? Sometimes because of our own defenses, we have difficulty looking that deeply at ourselves. And this is where external programs and therapy comes in. The 12-step programs help hold up that mirror when you go to a meeting and hear someone admitting that they're do what they're doing as a codependent, and you say, hey, I think I'm doing that too. You may not have been aware of that behavior before you heard somebody else talking about it. The beauty of such a reflection is just that, a reflection, not projection. The person who is talking in a meeting about something that they're experiencing is owning their experience. They're not projecting it onto you. But you're able to see yourself in that reflection and own it for yourself without anybody saying to you, hey, you're doing this, which can feel really shaming. In therapy, a therapist may gently hold up that mirror to you. Or they might be a little more bold, depending on the therapist, in letting you know what they're seeing. Sometimes a gentle mirror is what is needed. But in my experience, sometimes bold is needed. And this is because sometimes a therapist or even a friend can see something that you're doing that is self-sabotaging, but you're just not aware of it. So it's pointed out to you in such a way that you can consider the possibility. In cases like this, your own self-sabotaging behaviors are pointed out to you with love and with the intent on helping you to heal. We need insight and awareness for our healing. We need to become aware of our patterns, our destructive behaviors, our addictions, and also what is behind them. This allows us to make different choices, choices that bring us progress rather than regress. If we're hard-headed, stubborn, or have such a deeply rooted defense mechanism keeping us from our own pain and shame, we may need that huge wake-up call in order to see that we're creating our own painful issues in our lives, to see where we're creating those painful issues in our lives. Of course, we're not doing this consciously or intentionally. It's what is buried in our shadow that's at the helm. We're acting and reacting from our pain and shame. Our ego may be causing us to put up defenses so we don't see it. And as a result, 
we aren't having any real recovery. When we finally get a glimpse into our own self-sabotaging behavior, we have a day of reckoning. We face the false self and allow it to fall away in favor of a much more authentic and honest self. We may feel a shame that's so painful and overwhelming that we don't know if we can cope. That shame is our feelings of unworthiness and inadequacy that tell us that we're not enough for this world. Our very survival is threatened because we unconsciously equate this level of shame with death. Our childhood PTSD may be triggered. We may feel that we don't want to live anymore because the life that we've been living no longer has any appeal. And so we might think that we're at the end. But the deeper truth is we're really at the beginning. When the alcoholic realizes he or she is an alcoholic and enters treatment for the first time, it's a day of reckoning that can result in a completely new life, a life lived sober where all the pain, sorrow, fear, guilt, and shame are felt. And even though it can be excruciating at the beginning to sit with all these painful feelings, it opens a doorway for healing the alcoholic can walk through. He or she learns how to sit in these feelings, allow them to be there, talk about them, share them, and love themselves through them. The alcoholic is only one example. This can also be true for the codependent, drug addict, food addict, sex or love addict, workaholic, and even those who have shut down emotionally because they couldn't deal with a death or a loss of some kind. No matter what the situation, if we have developed sophisticated coping and defense mechanisms that protect us from seeing the truth, that truth will eventually hit us over the head. And we are never really prepared for this day. It takes us by surprise. I've used the analogy of being in a hit-and-run car accident in the past to describe this day of reckoning. We're in the hospital with multiple broken bones, a concussion, broken jaw, IV feeding tubes, unable to walk or move on the most part. And when we find ourselves here, we can't just walk out of the hospital and go back to work. We certainly can't jump back in the car with the person who hit us. All activity stops because we're unable to move forward at this time. In order to heal, recover, and rehabilitate, we need to be willing to accept where we are. If we keep trying to get out of bed with two broken legs, we'll just fall and injure ourselves even worse. We also can't focus on the driver who drives off into the sunset with his new girlfriend while you're in critical care. There's only one focus at a time like this, and that is getting better. Since I specialized in healing and recovery from narcissistically abusive relationships, I know a lot about recovery. I also know that the biggest obstacle for a person recovering from narcissistic abuse is hyper-focusing on the narcissist. Although this can be part of CPTSD, 
which is complex post-traumatic stress disorder. It's also a part of codependency. Because as codependents, there's a tendency to focus on pleasing, fixing, healing, and changing the other rather than focusing on what we need to be healthy and happy. So after the relationship ends, we're already conditioned to focus on the narcissist. The narcissist, in a sense, requires this focus. If it isn't all about the narcissist, then the relationship won't survive for long. So the codependent is the perfect match for the narcissist for a time because the codependent will give that focused attention to the narcissist. After the relationship ends, that hyper-focus tends to continue until such a time the codependent can get into recovery and focus on themselves and their own recovery. They have to learn to surrender and realize that they never have the power to change that other person. Or if they expect if that narcissist really loved them, they would seek change on their own behalf. If that's the way a codependent is thinking or believing, they're deluding themselves. It's important to understand that a narcissist projects his own unhealed wounds, shame, insecurities, and feelings of inadequacy onto you. It's important to know this isn't personal. It's who they are. It's important to know they immediately replace you because they aren't getting enough narcissistic supply from you anymore, which is great because it's a sign of your recovery. It's important to know that narcissists don't recognize or respect boundaries. It's important to know they're really incapable of self-reflecting, loving, or caring about anyone in any kind of authentic way. So all the information about the narcissist can be helpful in the beginning so that you realize these things. This will help you to heal. It will help you to disconnect and move forward in your own recovery. When you look back, you can realize there's nothing there for you. Your life is forward. It's up ahead, not backward, in that toxic environment. We need to learn how to get that person's face off our pain and be willing to take responsibility for our own pain and trauma so that we can heal it. An alcoholic can blame his drinking on his family of origin and childhood abuse, but sooner or later he needs to stand up and say, I'm not that child anymore. I'm no longer at the mercy of my alcoholic parents, and I'm going to take responsibility for my life and create a healthy, happy environment for myself. It's good to be able to go back to our childhood and understand where our pain and trauma originated, but then we need to focus on healing in the now. We have to feel it to heal it. We need to change patterns and do things differently, but first we need to understand what patterns need to be changed. The day of reckoning may be when an abuser lashes out at you for the last time because you can no longer tolerate that abuse. It may be when a narcissist leaves you for a new source of supply, leaving you feeling rejected and abandoned. 
It may be when an alcoholic gets a DUI and loses his driver's license. It may be when a depressed person attempts suicide and ends up in the hospital. It may be when an obese person has a heart attack and realizes that he or she can't continue those destructive eating patterns. It may be when someone who hates their job loses that job and is finally forced to do something different. These are all wake-up calls. These are all days of reckoning. So whatever your day of reckoning is, it's the day where it's more painful to remain tight in the bud than to bloom and grow. That blooming may be forced upon you, but thank your lucky stars it was forced upon you because now you can do things differently. Now you can heal. Now you can grow. Now you can change destructive patterns. Now you can live the life that you've come here to live. If you find yourself in a day of reckoning or a period of major transformation, take it seriously. Get the help you need. You don't have to do this alone. Enter a 12-step program. Get therapy. Do what you need to do to move forward in your life because you really can't go back. If you need help in your recovery process, I'd be happy to work with you. You can contact me through my website at NarcissismFree.com or PathBackToSelf.com. I hope that you've enjoyed this podcast. I wish you the very best in your process, and I will see you in the next podcast. Thank you for listening.